0: You are listening to You Should Write a Book with Camille Pagan. I'm Camille, the best-selling author of 10 books, a master-certified coach, and the founder of Even Better Co. Each week, I share ideas about creating an even better author career. Ready to reach your writing goals? Let's dive in. Hello, writers. How are you? I want to talk to you today about time management, which I believe can be the game changer for your writing career. But when I talk about time management, I'm not actually referring to what you're probably used to hearing about the subject, particularly when it comes to writing. I want to just start with this bold premise. Almost every one of you has time to write. And by has time, I mean you can find a few hours a week or half an hour to an hour a day to write. I have a client who commutes nearly two hours every single morning at four or five in the morning. She works all day, comes home, goes to bed super early so she can get up at three, and she writes on the weekends. She writes on Saturday and Sunday. I recently had another client last year who had a house full of little kids that she was homeschooling. She's very prolific. Worked with another busy academic who's expected to publish a ton of research in academic journals Write an academic book and then, you know, do grading, research, et cetera, all the other things that are required for her job. It took her a lot longer than she wanted to finish her last book, but she still got it done and is well on the way to creating the career she actually wants to have. Every one of these clients of mine found time to write, and so can you. Because writing can just be an hour a day or even less. So, episode 64 of this podcast is about that. If you are at all crunched for time, I want you to listen or re-listen to that episode. I also want to point you to Laura Vanderkam's work, especially her book, 168 Hours, You Have More Time Than You Think. I've known Laura for the better part of my career, and we've been in a couple of writing strategy groups together at this point. She has a very clear-eyed view of time that has helped me immensely. And I haven't used every single thing that she recommends, and I'm going to tell you more about that in a second. The other bold Premise I want to offer you is this. You have to stop waiting for the right time or for things to quote clear up. That will probably never come. You may be lucky enough to inherit a pile of cash and go right on a tropical island. Guess what? You'll probably actually find it harder to draft and publish. Why is this? I notice this all the time. Because being dissatisfied with your current situation is actually incredibly motivating. Being content means, well, it's easier to stick with the status quo. When you have a wide open day to create, I'm going to argue just based on what I have observed with hundreds of writers, you are actually more likely to procrastinate and get less done. I am not telling you to go get three other jobs here. But for example, one thing that has helped many of my clients who have retired to write more is to put other activities on their calendar whether it's exercise, socializing, book club, doesn't matter. And I'll talk more about calendaring in just a bit. I really believe that the idea of not the right time is a trap. In many cases, waiting for that perfect opening, that perfect opportunity, it's really your brain whispering to you, stay safe, keep doing what you're doing. The closer you get to publication, the more discomfort you're going to feel and the more judgment you're going to endure. And to some degree, that's true. And there's strength and there's power in recognizing that. Now, before we go any further on this topic, I want to include a big caveat here, because if I don't, I know I'm going to hear from some of you. What I'm going to suggest in terms of strategy and even the research behind that strategy may not work for you, at least not every single item. And the reason for this is because there is no one size fits all approach when it comes to writing or productivity. You have to be willing to try different things and see what works for you. As I mentioned earlier, I love Laura and I recommend her work all the time. But one of her strategies, time tracking, it just doesn't work for me. It keeps me out of flow. And I'm already pretty good at following what my calendar says to do. So I don't necessarily have to take note in the moment. Doing a broader time audit of my calendar, as in, hey, does this week look like it's going to get me to my year-end goal? That's more effective for me. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Just because one strategy doesn't work for you doesn't mean you should ditch the entire idea of time management. With all of that in mind, my overall approach when it comes to writing and managing your time is to approach strategy, specifically calendaring, with cognitive tools that will help you actually follow through. A lot of us, we know what to do. The question is, are we able to do it? And this is not just about getting more done. It's really From my perspective as a coach, it's about taking actions that reinforce your self-image as a writer who can and will do what she says she's going to do. Again, I talked about this in the last two episodes. That is really how you create self-trust and self-confidence. So when you do that, you have these wonderful feelings like pride, and they serve as fuel that help you take even more action. Not from a grind mentality, but really strategic actions that bring you closer to your goal. So instead of a vicious cycle, you are creating a victorious cycle. I want you to do me a favor and think about how you spent your time yesterday. Pause this podcast if you need to. Just take a few seconds to really reflect on how your day went from the moment you woke up until the moment you went to bed. Just think through that to the best of your ability. Now I want you to ask yourself, what will my outcome be? If I continue repeating yesterday, if I basically take the same approach over and over, what will I create? I'm not asking you this question to make you feel bad. I want you to just begin to raise your awareness around your choices and how you manage your time, if you're not already. Some of you probably are already doing this. So often we're going through life on autopilot and not the good kind of autopilot we're not really reflecting on the choices we make, or even the thoughts that lead us to make those choices. If you are the person who has great habits in place and a schedule that you feel confident will lead you to success, that's amazing. I want you to think today, if you continue listening to this, about how you can continue down that path and even take it to the next level. If that's not you, don't feel bad. Totally okay. Keep in mind that whatever you answered as to how you spent your time yesterday And by the way, if you had some weird day yesterday where you're like, oh, I don't know, the plumbing blew up and I had to deal with that all day, think of your most recent work day. So if you're like, "Mm, that's not going to work for me going forward, that is not going to give me the result I want. Great. That's just data you can use to make a change. Don't get too wrapped up in any stories about how you procrastinate too much or you don't manage your time. This is all just information that you can use to figure out how to improve going forward. So I want you to ask yourself another question. What do I need to prioritize to create the career that I want? Writing is the obvious answer here, but what else? Marketing? Do I need to set boundaries with my kids or other family members? Do I need to exercise so I'm in the right headspace to write? That's a big one for me. Really think about what are your priorities at this moment in time? Now, since you've done some reflection, let's talk strategy. I'm gonna argue that whether you wanna up-level an already great schedule or you wanna make big changes, the same steps are going to apply here. The first one is to decide in advance about how you're going to use your time. And by this, I mean, decide and put it on your calendar. Doesn't matter if it's a digital calendar, a paper calendar, or if you're like me, I love this kind of stuff, so I use both. Write it down, not as a to-do list, as a I will do x at y time. want to catch yourself if you are thinking, oh, I don't know how long it'll take. Remember that Parkinson's law states that tasks typically take as long as we allot for them. And even if you're a little off here, let's say recording this podcast takes me 75 minutes instead of the 60 I put on my calendar. That is still a lot closer than saying, oh, I'll just see how it goes. Next thing you know, four hours have passed and I've been basically on websites the entire time not doing what I said I was going to do. The idea here is that you want to harness the power of your prefrontal cortex. That's the evolved part of your brain that plays a major role in impulse control, decision-making and other executive function tasks in order to make decisions that align with your goals as opposed to dealing with life as it flies at you. Are things still going to come up? Of course they are. Today, for example, my child has another random day off of school. It's not a holiday. It's not a snow day. I have no idea why he doesn't have school today. So my day doesn't look exactly like what I thought it would. The goal here isn't to be perfect. It's to show up in the way that you want to more often. Over time, planning ahead will help you write more and get much better results. So next, I want you to try to do the same things at the same time. Friends, decision fatigue is real. We make thousands of decisions in any given day as adults. Some estimates are as high as 35,000 decisions. You don't want to make your priorities one of those decisions. So given the choice between writing and doing something fun or just simply less, I don't know, taxing to your brain, you're going to do the fun thing. You're going to do the easier thing if you think it's an actual option. So I want you to take the option away by doing the same thing at the same time. By doing things at a set time most days, you form neural pathways that essentially become the basis for a habit. You want to teach your brain to think, okay, it's 930, I better start writing because this is what I do at 930. And doing that, in my experience, makes it much easier to simply remember not to schedule things like doctor's appointments or hair appointments or whatever during that time. Because that's just not what you do and your brain knows that. I've mentioned this before. The research around habit formation really varies. It's going to take you probably at least three weeks to make this decision, where you're like writing at the same time, maybe you're marketing at the same time, to turn that into a true habit, where you feel kind of itchy if you're not doing it. So give yourself some space. Give yourself time to really adjust to that. I also want to note that a lot of you have reached out to me on social media, email, uh, if I've seen you at conferences to tell me that you have ADHD, and in many cases have recently been diagnosed with that. I know that uh, diagnoses have gone up recently. I'm not a doctor, nor do I play one in your headphones, but I have written multiple guides on ADHD with psychologists and physicians for places like WebMD, the Cleveland Clinic. I even wrote a couple chapters of a book when I was ghostwriting on this. And what I have noticed that's interesting to me is that many of the steps that I'm mentioning here Are applicable and recommended for individuals with ADHD. Not everyone, right? But one way you cope with time blindness, for example, right, where you're not really aware of what's happening time wise, is by doing the same thing at the same time and using tools such as a timer, an alarm on your phone, and a calendar to remind you that you have something coming up. So just an interesting note. Third, I want you to put first things first. There's a whole body of research on willpower And when I was working as a health journalist, I interviewed Roy Baumeister, who's basically the godfather of willpower research, many, many times over the course of more than a decade. I'm going to summarize those conversations like this and that research. Willpower is basically a muscle, which you might have heard, and it gets depleted over the day. The longer the day goes on, the less willpower we tend to have, although there are different things we can do to influence that or not. And again, decision fatigue gets worse and worse. So that impacts our follow through and the way that we prioritize what we're doing. For some of you, this may not be an issue. I have worked with clients who really amaze me in terms of they had a busy day, they uh, did family stuff, had other obligations, and then they'd sit down at nine at night and write and they just do that routinely and it's okay, even though they're tired and they don't want to. If that's you, that is really fantastic. If, however, you're someone who finds that you are routinely not writing when you mean to, and that time is usually later in the day, afternoon, evening, I'm going to recommend you try at least to put writing earlier in your day, even if you're not a morning person. And last, I want to talk a little bit about transition time. I want you to remember that this is real. So again, lots of research shows that it takes us between 15 to 20 minutes to mentally transition from one task to another. I'm smiling over here because I, for years, wanted to believe that this did not apply to me. And I've worked with a lot of writers, as well as other people, entrepreneurs, who really would love to believe that they could just jump right into an activity. And every once in a while, that's true. But most of the time, it takes your brain a little bit to warm up. So if you're like, okay, I have an hour, but I actually only used 45 minutes to write, maybe if you're able, give yourself a little buffer time to get into your manuscript. If you only have an hour, then maybe you decide the first 15 minutes are for rereading, going over it, kind of getting into the mood of this thing, and then 45 minutes are for writing. I don't know if anyone has told you this recently, but it's okay to not be overly ambitious about everything. You do not have to think, I'm going to do three hours straight through every day. Or if I say nine o'clock is writing time, I better start writing exactly at nine. If you can, great. But I really want you to set yourself up for success. And one of the ways that we do that is lowering the bar a little bit. If you can only show up for half an hour, five days a week right now, but you continue to do that, and maybe it's even just four days out of five, you're going to be amazed at how much you get done versus saying, I'm going to go all in and then burning out. And One of the ways that we can do this too is just trying for one thing at a time, maybe two at most. Give yourself something to do, let's say finishing your draft, when it becomes habitual to take the action, such as writing, you know that that is baked in, then you add something else to the mix. Okay, so with those specific tips in mind, I want to talk about where I see clients often have a true breakthrough. Those are all like tactics, essentially. We can use all of them, but if we don't actually follow through during our writing time, then nothing gets done, obviously. Procrastination, or at least this is how most people refer to it, is a big issue. Most of the time, procrastination occurs because, whether you realize it or not, you're trying to avoid one feeling that you associate with a task, or you're attempting to generate another feeling that you don't associate with that task. As humans, we are wired to seek comfort, conserve energy, and avoid pain. It's not a you problem. It's an us problem. And the trouble is, we tend to overestimate the amount of pain, energy, and discomfort we will experience when stretching ourselves. Yeah, it's going to be a little uncomfortable, but it's usually not as bad as we're thinking. Writing can be a little bit uncomfortable. Even if you outline, even if you know your story, you may still have some doubt in the back of your brain as to whether or not you can pull it off. Totally normal. If this comes up for you, if you're routinely sitting down to write and then not doing it, and you're like, oh, I end up on Instagram or whatever, and you know that you are procrastinating, one way to override that instinct is simply to acknowledge what you're doing. Research shows that even naming an emotion or an impulse pulls us out of that mode and allows us to go back to essentially logical, rational mode. So when this happens for you, let's say you're working on your draft and you're over on Facebook, you're like, whoa, what what just happened here? You can say to yourself, oh, I am trying to avoid discomfort. Just take note. You don't have to judge yourself. It's just, this is happening. Then from that place, you might even say, I'm willing to feel uncomfortable in order to get this book done. Let's go. I do want to offer you that some of this is going to require boundaries, and I'm going to address that in a separate podcast at another time, right? This is all about your own brain, your own schedule, not what other people are doing in terms of your writing life. So just want to put a pin in that for now. But just consider that you do have enough time to write. And you don't need willpower to do it. You just need a few new strategies. I'm going to leave you with this question today. How does my best-selling self use her time? Whatever your answer, go do that. Thanks for listening and happy writing. For more resources on creating an even better author career, including free webinars and the You Should Write a Book newsletter, visit evenbetter.co. That's dot C-O. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to leave a brief review. If you already have, thank you, and thanks for tuning in.